Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Welcome back to week last of Rivers and Roads. Uh, we're finishing up today. I think it's the 13th week. We've been walking through uh, the book of Acts. We started uh, where Jesus had ascended, gone to heaven. He comes back. He pours out his spirit on the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And uh, from there on, we've been on a fast trip uh, going through all the highs and lows that the different uh, believers went through. And we're going to take today to kind of take the last page, close out, Uh, Acts chapter 28, move into Acts chapter 29. And uh, it's been a crazy week. I don't know if it's been crazy for y'all watching the news, watching all that's been going on uh, with what's going on in Kabul, uh, what's going on in Haiti. Uh, They had the earthquake and then on top of that flooding. Then beyond that, uh, I got calls from friends in Tennessee this week. Uh, One of my former uh, friends and a college student at the college where I went to, um, his church was totally submerged underwater. Um, not totally. Uh, they got stuck in the balcony. They had some people come to the church to move stuff out of the way. They knew a flood was coming. Uh, they got stuff up in the balcony, and all of a sudden, the, they watched uh, from their balcony uh, out as their cars floated away. And uh, they got stuck in the building for about four hours, ate leftover communion, I guess, and snacks that they had left there um, to survive. But they had all that kind of crazy stuff going on. The campground. Uh, for the Church of the Nazarene in Tennessee has had most of their buildings destroyed underwater. Um, crazy stuff. COVID continuing to move around like crazy. I've got friends in different parts of the country who their schools have already started shutting down because of the amount of kids that they're needing to send back home. Um, today, when service is done, I hop in my car and drive down to Cincinnati to pick up my daughter who made it halfway back from college because she Um, contracted the Delta virus, even though she's been vaccinated, had all that kind of fun stuff. And as we listen to all these things and what's going on, I also turned on and saw that uh, Hurricane Ida is now headed back for New Orleans again. And so as I look at all this stuff, I sit around and go, good grief, what is the world coming to? What is the world coming to? And and amazingly enough, as I was finishing up um, the sermon this week, I was looking for Um, something that really encapsulated what was going on. I found this quote uh, by a guy named Carl F.H. Hardy. And uh, Carl writes this, the early church didn't say, look what the world is coming to. They said, look what has come into the world. Look what's come into the world. Look at what God is doing. Uh, We could get so caught up in all the craziness and all the stuff going on in the world. We get frustrated. Everybody's got an opinion on COVID, right? Is it real? Is it not real? Who needs a mask? Who doesn't need a mask? Um, who needs a vaccine? Who doesn't need a vaccine? And I get to sit. It's, it's, it's fun um, to be able to hear people argue about it and just watch the fireworks explode. Um, it's been fun to listen to, to what's happening. Not fun, but um, listen to people argue about all the different things going on in the world, politically what's happening, what's not happening. I want us to take a moment to look in God's word today so if you, if you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 29. Pull out your, pull out your uh, online Bible or uh, get your, your paper Bible, the old school version, and turn to Acts chapter 29. How many of you figured out by now there is no Acts 29? Sorry, it was a trick. It's a trick. Um, we're going to walk through what Acts 29 would look like because it's you and it's me. 
At the end of Acts chapter 28, uh, what we have is a story of Paul, uh, kind of the completion of his story. Uh, we hear about him traveling around. He's been to Jerusalem, Caesarea. He appealed to Caesar. He ends up uh, in Rome, and this is where the story picks up. He's in Rome. Uh, all, he gathers all the Jews together and says, hey, you know, I'm Paul. I'm sure you've heard of me. And this is where our story picks up. They replied, we have no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who's come here. So basically, you may be big stuff in Jerusalem. We don't even know who you are. Um, but we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. People are denouncing this movement within Judaism called Nazarenes or followers of the way. Um, that's what early Christians were called before they got called Christians. And so uh, what ended up happening is Paul set a time, everybody comes together, uh, they gather and uh, Paul says and preaches to them lots of great things, it says up there on the screen. And some of them believed, some of them didn't. And then Paul says in verse 26, uh, 25 and 26, this is, this is what is to fulfill what was spoken back by the prophet. Go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you won't understand. When you see what I do, you won't comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. Their ears cannot hear. They have eyes closed. Their, their eyes are closed. Uh, so their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles. They will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited there, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. No one tried to stop him. So Paul finishes preaching to these people. This is how the book of Acts ends. It ends with him just basically saying, and Paul was there two more years. He lived at his own expense, just so you'll know. And um, that's kind of how the book ends. The reality is we know that Paul uh, didn't just end living there for two years. He ends up being beheaded, um, church history tells us. He was killed for sharing the faith. I don't know why Luke doesn't bother to tell us that. He just kind of says, well, you know, he was there a couple more years, and that's the end of the book. It's kind of like, remember, did you ever watch Lost? Lost is one of those first shows that kind of like ends in the middle so you have to go back the next week and watch. Some of you aren't old enough to remember with television, you had to wait each week for the next episode to come because now we just binge it on Netflix or whatever. Somebody was, we were talking about that the other day and I couldn't believe, oh yeah, we would, we would wait and set our clock or then eventually we got DVRs so we could DVR it so we didn't have to watch it just at seven o'clock when it came on uh, during the week. It's just crazy the way these things work. But now what, what Luke basically does is kind of ends with you going, that's, that's the end. You, you've set us up. You've told us about Jesus working in the Gospels. Now you've told us through the book of Acts how he works in the lives of regular people. And then we get to the end of the book, and it's just like, yeah, and he lived there a couple more years. Surely there's more to this story. And there is. That's why we're talking about Acts 29. What, what Luke is basically trying to say to the people is what we have seen go on in the lives of the church is what we're continuing to live in. What happened to Paul is kind of inconsequential to what God is wanting to do in and through you. So let's go back to the beginning of the book, pretty close to it. In Acts chapter two, um, what God says is, you know those, those places that I was showing you over in, in, um, in uh, Europe? Sorry, not what God said, this is what I'm saying. Those places in Europe that, that Paul was walking through, and then we've shown a map kind of of Columbus and where you and I are. 
Um, why, why can God not do here in Columbus what he did over there in Europe? Why can it not happen? Why should it happen? And the answer is found in Acts 2, or Joel, yeah, Acts chapter 2, uh, where in, it says that what happened through the lives of the apostles was the fulfillment of what happened in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It says, after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Um, here, who in here today is a son? Would you raise your hand if you were a son? Okay, put your hands down. Who in, in here is a daughter? Would you raise your hand? Okay, this will be the phone now. Who in here is an old man? Raise your hand. <laughs> oh. Who in here is a young man? Raise your hand. Who in here is a young woman? Raise your hand. And I want to ask who's an old woman. There we go. Um, so we'll move on here. What, what basically happens is God pours out his spirit, scripture tells us, on all flesh. Now what's interesting is on the day of Pentecost, those were all Jews that have this happen to them. They get up, they begin, they begin prophesying. And in some ways, they don't even know what they're prophesying when they begin to say all flesh. That means everyone. What we begin to see happening in the book of Acts is everybody is allowed to enter into this covenant. The arms of the church are spread open so that Gentiles are allowed in. Not only just Gentiles, but like Gentiles that are on the outskirts kind of Gentiles. Like people that you really don't want to get to know. People that uh, surely they're not really allowed in. There was a word in Judaism. Um, this is actually a more Yiddish word. It's a newer word. Um, the word is called goyim, okay? Goyim, say goyim. Goyim, you and I are goyim, okay? What goyim means is unclean, okay? You're not a Jew. You're unclean. So Roman centurion, goyim. Ethiopian eunuch, goyim. These are two people that God reached to. He sent his church out to and they came to Christ. They're goyim. You know what else is goyim? Is when Peter sees this vision of the sheet coming down. And in this sheet was all sorts of living creatures. And God tells Peter, go and eat. And Peter goes, I can't eat. Those things are unclean. And God says, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. He's talking about people. He wasn't just talking about bacon and pigs and pork and ham and shrimp and catfish and all these things that we eat now. Praise Jesus, we are allowed to eat those now. Amen. There we go. I heard some good amens there. But that's not what God was talking about. It becomes very clear very quickly to Peter. He was talking about this guy named Cornelius. See, because when you see a pig and you're a Jew, you don't touch the pig because the pig is goyim. You can't eat that. The Old Testament said, don't eat these things. They are unclean. Don't eat unclean animals. Don't be around unclean people. So you know what Cornelius is called? Goyim. You know what a pig's called? Goyim. You know what the Ethiopian eunuch's called? Goyim. And what begins to happen in the book of Acts is these people that are believed to be unclean, when they are transformed by the Holy Spirit, they're now proclaimed clean because God has transformed them. God has changed them. They begin to live in relationship with God. This is not just about my standing in terms of the law. It's about God desiring to have a relationship with me. Do you believe that God wants people that our society today may consider unclean to be a part of his kingdom? 
The answer is yes. God wants them in. What the book of Acts is saying is those people that think they're unclean, and you may be sitting here today saying, I feel unclean, Pastor Dale. You don't know what I've been through in my life. I, I feel unclean. God is telling us in the book of Acts that when the Holy Spirit comes, and if you invite him into your life, you are now clean. You're what he created you to be, what he wants you to be, and you can live in him. Now, how did this word get out? This word got out because God began to call people, young, old, men, women. Um, it looks, it looks kind of like this. Um, <clears throat> there's a list of names that are going to go up on the board here. Caleb Aleshire, Evan Gantz, uh, Ted Haynes, Carlos Huertas, uh, Sandra Huertas, Dalton Keaton, Josh Lane, Curtis McDonald, Misty Moore, Karen Morris, Dave Machat, Sarah O'Connor, Riley Peters, Richard Slusser, Will Smith, Brittany Spradling. Now, what are these people? These are people that are in the process of being ordained in our denomination. God has called them from within the congregation to step up to become pastors. So the crazy thing about this list is the youngest person on there is 19 years old. The oldest person on there is 62 years old. There's men and women. Looks kind of like the book of Acts, doesn't it? God begins to call. What does he call us to do? He calls those of us that are in ministry to equip the saints for the works of service. And if, in the book of Ephesians, it says God called some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastor teachers, some to be evangelists for the building up of the saints for the works of service. So our job is to train all of you to actually do it. Why do they get quiet and just chuckling? You're going, well, what are we paying you for? To train you, to do it. I've got no amens there. I was waiting, waiting. That's what that pause was for. Was for there's no amens there. What basically we see in the book of Acts, as God pours his spirit out on his church, uh, the people dedicated themselves to some things. We find that in the early church in Acts chapter two, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayers. So they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching. How many of y'all have been going through the Bible in a year? If you're going through the Bible in a year, this week you will be two-thirds of the way through the Bible. Every morning, listening to the Bible, hearing teaching from Nikki Gumbel, um, who is a, is a pastor, called to help equip the saints, to prepare us. If you're listening to those things, you're taking in the word of God daily. We have the ability to do that. This is one of the things the early church did. If you're not taking advantage of that, please take advantage of that. There's other things on Right Now Media. Some of our pastors put things out on, uh, on uh, Facebook during the week where you can continue to grow daily. There's Bible studies and things that go on throughout the week so that we can dedicate ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, to what God has told us to do to live. The next thing that church dedicated themselves to was to fellowship and to breaking bread together. Um, I can remember as a kid on Sunday, um, Sunday afternoon when church was done, we would either have people over to our house to eat or we would go to somebody's house to eat or we would go to Morrison's. I guess God had ordained Morrison's was okay. Um, it was like a, an assembly line of food and um, you picked what you wanted. It was a great place. Um, but I can remember sitting down on Sunday and having the classic was roast beef, uh, potatoes, and carrots, and then green beans, because you have to have something green, and maybe some salad, and bread. You have to have bread. And we would sit down and we would eat. Now, that was kind of cool. We'd have a great meal. 
But then we would go in the living room and I'd watch my parents talk. Uh, usually the men would go one place, women would go another, they'd talk, and I would go sit. I would go back and forth so I could get all the gossip, right? You want to hear it all. No, they were sitting around. They would talk about what was going on in life. Uh, sometimes after church on Sunday night, if we'd had that for lunch, we'd come over at night and the leftover rolls were perfect to put the roast on to make sandwiches. It's called leftovers. You've heard of that before? Leftovers, it was a cool thing. You'd eat it, then you'd eat it again. I hated it, but we did it. Uh, we did that. That was just like the way life was. Now, what was important was not the food. What was important was the getting together, sharing life together with one another. Now, what, what the early Christians called that sharing life together was something we, we hear, where we have a word and we say we're doing that with people. It's called community, right? We're just building community. What the early church called that was communion, right? It's the Eucharist. It's sharing together the life of Christ with people. When you sit down and you eat with people, there's something that takes place across the table. Eating together, sharing in fellowship with people. God's, God talks a lot about the relationship he has with us us being invited to his table to sit down with him, to build relationship with him. Have you ever thought about, how many of y'all ever just call up people you really don't like and say, hey, wanna do lunch? Let's just go hang out. We, we don't do that, do we? We don't wanna sit down and eat with people that we don't get along with. We sit down and we eat with people that we get along with or we would like to know that we would like to get along with. And what God says to us in this meal is I've made this meal possible for you through my death because I wanna sit down and eat with you and know you and you with me. In our church, we have what's called uh, open communion. It means you don't have to be a part of this church to partake, but you have to receive Christ as your, as your savior. Let him live in your life. If you're here today and you have not experienced that, you've not accepted Christ as your savior, what we wanna do today is invite you to the table. We want to invite you to God's table where he's saying to you, I want relationship with you. I want to know you. And even though you're my enemy, scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so he invites you to the table and says, even though you're my enemy, I died for you. I don't want to be enemies. I love you. I want relationship with you. So I'm going to ask you if you would to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, if there's someone in here today right now, under the sound of my voice, whether they're online or gathered here in this building. That if they don't know you, or Lord, they feel like they're your enemy, or they feel like they've lived their lives in such a way where they are unclean, help them to know today that by the shedding of your blood, you have declared that they can be clean. They just have to accept that grace and walk in it. God, I pray that you'd be with us as a church, that right now we would do what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, and we would discern the body, those that are around us, the body of Christ, that, Lord, you have given us an awesome church family. You've given us great people to fellowship with, to live live with, to play sports with, to sit across from the table and eat. And we thank you, God, for the opportunity that you've called us to your table. So Lord, as we sit here today, we ask that you would forgive us our sins. Lord, that you would live in and through us 
so that a world that is dying and hurting would see you living in us. Father, we gather today like the early saints did. The food looks a little different, but we pray that our fellowship would be sweet as you live in and with us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. This meal that we take is a remembrance of what God has done for us. Christ, through the, the shedding of his blood, through the breaking of his body, gave us his life. And we remember not only what he's done, but what he wants to do in and through us now and what he wants to do in the days to come. So it's my privilege to pass on to you that which was passed on to me, that on the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and after giving thanks, he blessed it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Eat this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup and after giving thanks, he blessed it and said, this is my blood of the new covenant that's shed for your sins and the sins of the world. Drink this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. In the book of Mark, he adds, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So we have not only a meal that, that Christ instituted on the day of Pentecost with his disciples before he was killed, but it's something that we live in now and remember that his, his body, his blood was shed for us even today and that he wants to live in and through us, but that one day we look forward to a future that's gonna be totally awesome. It doesn't look like that right now as we look at the world, which takes us kind of to our next step. They get dedicated themselves, the apostles teaching, the breaking of bread and a prayer. Um, I can talk about Kabul and the, since we've been in Afghanistan, there's been over 2,300 American soldiers who've been killed and four of our Department of Defense civilians that were killed. And then we had 13 more just this week uh, that were killed, some of our servicemen. As I listened to some of my friends who are from Haiti and have talked with them over the last couple of weeks, over 2,000 people have been killed in the earthquake. And if that wasn't bad enough, people aren't going into their houses because they're scared with the aftershocks and uh, they got Hurricane Grace that came through and dropped water all over them. And they experienced flooding. I told you about my friends in Tennessee and what they went through. New Orleans getting ready to get hit. Um, all the crazy stuff going on with the coronavirus. And I can talk to you about them. We can get our eyes fixed on all those things and be frustrated with what's going on or we can do what the early church did and pray for the hope that we have in Christ. Amen. So I'm gonna ask you if you would to bow your heads and close your eyes and we're gonna pray. As I pray, there may be, there may be something that you wanna pray for specifically a, a little more than one of the others. So I'm gonna invite you, go ahead and pray out as I'm praying. This is not just for you all to listen to Pastor Dale, it's for us to spend this time together. Father, I pray, be with us as a world. God, I pray that you'd be with those who are in Afghanistan. Be with the believers, Lord, that are, that are struggling. Uh, those who have been killed, families who have lost family members. God, I pray that you would comfort them. Be with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are scared for their lives right now. Lord, I also pray that you'd be with our brothers and sisters in Christ who aren't scared at all <laughs> because they know the hope that they have in you and they're continuing to share their faith so that others can come to know you. Father, I pray that you'd be with our soldiers. Be with their families as they mourn 
their loss. God, we pray that their deaths would not have been in vain. God, I pray that you'd be with Ben. Right out of this congregation who, who's deployed this week and is headed out. Be with those who are getting ready to go and serve. Lord, protect them, keep them safe. Be with the other, others that we have there still, Lord, and around the world that are protecting our interests, Lord, that you would protect them, that you would keep them safe. Father, I pray that you'd be with our brothers and sisters in Haiti. Lord, those that are mourning the loss of loved ones, those who are living in fear of the next earthquake that's coming. God, I pray that you'd be with the churches that are there, that they'd be able to offer hope. That in the midst of all this going on, they'd be able to share that, Lord, you are working all things for good. It doesn't look like it right now. And we, God, I admit right now, while I'm looking at all these things, I don't know how all of these things can work for good but I know that you've promised that you are. So I trust you. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the, the 20 people that lost their lives in Tennessee and the, the others that are still missing. God, comfort them, be with them. Lord, as we're close to home now dealing with issues and we look at what's going on in New Orleans, I pray that you'd protect that city. Pray that you be with Louisiana and Alabama and that part of the coast that's about to get smacked again. God, be with them. Help us to be prepared and ready to know what it is that you would have us to do. God, we look at a world where craziness is going on. The news media can keep it in front of us all the time. God, I also pray that you'd be with us as we walk out in the world, that as we see these things, as we are tempted to complain, as we're tempted to throw in our two cents, as we're tempted to talk about the government or talk about all the other things, God, that we would not talk about them, but we would pray. God, we pray that you'd be with our president. We pray that you'd be with Joe Biden. Give him wisdom. God, I pray that you would surround him with godly men and women who are seeking you. I pray, Lord, that you would, that he would seek you in everything that he's doing, that you would give him wisdom. That, Lord, he would hear from you and then when he hears from you, that he would act upon what he hears from you. God, we thank you for those who have stepped up to lead in our nation. I know that as I look in your word, you tell me to pray for them. So I'm praying right now, Lord, be with our leaders. Help them to lead our country in ways that reflect you. God, as I come to the close of this prayer and I think about Afghanistan again and what's going on, I, I'm frustrated and perplexed that you tell us to pray for our enemies. Not to return evil with evil, but to return evil with good, to love them, to pray for them. God, I admit, I don't know what that looks like. Help me to know what that looks like. Because I don't even know what it looks like to, to ask an enemy to lunch, to spend time with them, to show them your love. I admit, God, that in my heart, if I, if I invite them to lunch, it's to try and help point out where they're wrong. 
Lord, fill me with your spirit. Help me to look like you. Help me to love those that are around me. Help me, Lord, to to do the things that I can do right here in Grove City, here in greater Columbus area, so that those I come in contact with in the midst of the world, the same world that I'm living in, they're seeing all the same things, they're feeling the same things, they're frustrated, they're scared, they're worried that, Lord, in the midst of all that, I will be so filled with your spirit that I will be able to share the hope that we have in you. And like the early believers, Lord, it wasn't about the world going to hell in a handbasket because we lived for another kingdom. God, not just a kingdom that's to come, but a kingdom that you want to break into the world right here, right now. Do that through us, Lord, that there would be change, that there would be difference. All these things, Father, I ask and I pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Sorry that was a long prayer. We got a lot to pray for. Uh, A lot of crazy stuff going on in our world. Um, Got some other crazy cool stuff to tell you about, though. God's moving. God's doing great things. We've had opportunity through the pandemic as God has moved for you to be the church and do what what God's been wanting to do in and through you. Um, While the early church said, uh, not look what the world is coming to, but look at what what has come into the world, we've been doing that all over. Uh, in Puerto Rico primarily. There'll be some pictures that pop up on the screen behind me here. Some of you may remember in 2017, uh, we started to go to Puerto Rico to begin to do work following the hurricane. And we began to do work, and over the last three years, we've continued to do that work. This is one of the buildings, and the next few pictures that pop up will be another building where um, the hurricane tore the roofs off those buildings three, four years ago now, and they still look that way. Um, As they were trying to negotiate with insurance companies, and with FEMA to get stuff done. And in the meantime, we as a church have been now working on other churches. These churches have just gotten to the place now where they can actually be worked on. That church we'll actually be doing some work on. Uh, Taylor Corum and I will be flying down to see exactly what needs to go on, what needs to happen, what we as a church can do. Um, They're meeting currently in this little wing on the side of their church uh, because there is no roof on the bigger part of the church. Uh, The second church, that church, we thought this would be great. We'll just put a new roof on that building. But because of the rain and all that they've had, that building is actually sliding down the mountain. So we're not building, we're gonna build a totally brand new building for them. Uh, Over in Belize, God has continued to do a lot of work. There's a little church that very soon will be the Holbrook Chapel. And uh, over the last year and a half, we've not been allowed to go in there and work because of quarantine, different types of things. But they've begun building, they've begun working, and uh, funds from Grove City Church of the Nazarene has continued to support the work in the Belize, the Toledo District of Belize. This church is being built. There's a cool picture coming up in just a second of a little green building inside that mass. They don't, there it is right there. That was their current church, and um, they don't have enough property to build their new bigger church, so they built a new bigger church around their church. And uh, they finally just have torn that down and have poured the concrete and the walls go up this week. And uh, this spring, it looks like we will be dedicating the Holbrook Chapel to the glory of God as they continue to grow and reach out to new people sharing the gospel of Christ. You have been a part of all that as the NAS. You have continued to get that stuff done. So there'll be two more. There's already four more churches in Puerto Rico because of your work. There'll be two more that'll be completed this work in in Toledo District. And so we're excited about what God is doing all over the world through your work and through what he's doing. And if you want to go next summer, um, you'll hear after the service how you can sign up to get ready to go to Puerto Rico. uh, And we can start next summer finishing up some great stuff down there and also this winter. And uh, while we're doing all that, 
um, talking about things over in Israel and what God did 2,000 years ago is great. Uh, the work that you're able to do in Belize and in Puerto Rico, but I know sometimes we see that and go, okay, that's great. All I've done is give toward that. What about here? What about right here in Grove City? Well, there's cool stuff going on in here. Through your, through your giving and generosity, there's some great things that have begun to happen. In the life of our school last year, with the pandemic, we weren't sure what was gonna happen with numbers at Grove City Christian School. And um, they actually dropped a little bit when COVID hit. But the way we made it through last year, God began to work and do some miracles and some great things. We made it through the school year wonderfully well. Um, it looked like it appeared, school's growing. Uh, we may have about 685 kids this year instead of 635 kids. So that was kind of exciting. But if we kept growing, we were gonna need more space. And so we've contracted with someone. We went through, prayed about, not knowing during the pandemic, what is God gonna do? And as your board prayed, um, we felt like, God's gonna keep moving. Uh, God is working, God is moving. We can't, we can't go backwards, we have to move forward. So the building you see there on the right part of your screen is the new addition that's going on to the back of the school. That will allow us to have about another 125 students. Uh, in that particular building, you can see five lines that go across like a music staff and then little windows. Um, and so those windows are kind of like music notes and all except for the one that's like in the middle that's up real high off the staff, that's actually a light, uh, but all the rest of those are windows, and the windows play out a song. Um, and it says this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So the building itself will speak the words of Jesus. And uh, the other great news, I told you we, we budgeted this year, figuring there may be 685 kids at Grove City Christian School. Well, we opened this Wednesday with 600, or sorry, I lied. 725 students at Grove City Christian School. So that's great. Great news as you've begun to expand and open up so that families can continue to disciple their kids, that they can take their next steps toward Jesus Christ, that they can become quality Christian leaders who go out in the world and share this good news of Christ with the world because of your faithfulness. So that's about a, a $2.1 million building. And um, so now I'm coming to you to raise money. Just kidding, it's totally paid for because of your faithfulness. That's even greater news. God has done awesome things. The next thing is we wanna be welcoming. We've talked about how do you welcome people um, to your church. This building right here is a great building. Uh, the facility that we're in right now is uh, 22 years old. Um, and we've not recarpeted, we've not repainted a lot of those things. And so the lobby is gonna undergo a renovation. Uh, in here in the sanctuary, there'll be new carpet down the aisles and across the front from where you all spill coffee all the time. And um, just saying. Uh, anyway, so that'll be all fixed up. And then out in the lobby, this, that's kind of what the lobby will look like. Uh, you'll see the nice little coffee thing. If you go to the next one, there you go. You can see where it'll be opened up. It'll look a little bit different. Uh, we're trying to just update, make it a little bit warmer. But I hope you look, and as you look and you see those people that are there, what I want you to do is I want you to picture yourself there in the lobby. And what I want you to picture is you welcoming someone who doesn't know Christ. Someone who may be little on the outsides of what you might think is normal. Um, because as much as we want our building, they say people make first impressions based on the first couple minutes they're at a building. And so a lot of it has to do with how it looks and what goes on. But as much as, as the looks of the building are important, it's not nearly as important as people that are filled with the Holy Spirit who are loving and are reaching out to those who might not be like them.
to make them feel welcome, to make them feel apart. Many of you that are here can testify that I just felt so warmly welcomed here at the church when I came. It was just an awesome place. I just feel so great being here. So now the question becomes, how do you extend that grace to someone else that walks in the door? Because the early church grew, the early church expanded, not because they had great, huge buildings. The early church had no debt. They had no buildings. They had no places to meet. They were meeting in people's houses. We have resources beyond what they ever could have had. What made the early church grow was not the great resources and buildings that they had. It was a group of people who said, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me. Make me what you want me to be. The stuff that happened in the book of Acts is not done. The stuff that happened in the book of Acts can happen through you and through me if we will allow the Holy Spirit to do that. The question is, will you let him do that? Will you stand with me this morning? We're gonna sing. It's my prayer that as we sing, you will pray this prayer with me. Bow your heads and close your eyes. It's three words. It's one of the oldest prayers that we know. It's simply this, Holy Spirit, come. Will you say that with me? Holy Spirit, come. Let's just say that again. Holy Spirit, come. Do with us what you want to, Lord. Work in in us and through us the way you want. Make us the people you've died for us to be so that Grove City and the world, in the midst of all the chaos that's going on in the world, they would know the hope that we have in you. That, Lord, we would share with them the same way, same way Paul did. That this good news, it's not just for those of us that are already clean. It's not just for those of us that have already accepted you. It's for the whole world. God, open our eyes to see those that are around us that don't know you, and that we would be ready to share the hope of Christ that's in us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.